Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, what's up with those laser eyes? Well, I'm going to tell you. MicroStrategy to put in one more billion dollars into Bitcoin. And CEO of Falcon X, Raghu Yalagata, comes on to tell you if institutional investors are actually buying. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Saturday, February 20th, 2021. This isn't our normal weekend update. I had to move some shows around because I put out that long-form yesterday discussion with the new editor-in-chief of Decrypt, Daniel Roberts. But I also have a great discussion with Raghu Yalagata about institutional investing. The thing is, everybody says institutions are coming into the space, but how do we know? And we're going to get into detail how we can see, how we can tell if institutions are actually buying. I have a lot of news today, a lot of headlines, and a great conversation. You can't miss this episode. I know it's going to be a little bit longer. Sorry about that, but it's worth every minute. Now, let's get into those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 9.45 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin over $57,000 at $57,018, up 6.2% from yesterday. Ethereum breaking that $2,000 mark, sitting at $2,024.65, up 4.5%. Litecoin, $240.61, up 4%. Chainlink, $36.13, up 5.8%. And XRP, up 1.6% at $56.5 cents. That market cap looking pretty, inching ever closer to that $2 trillion mark. We're at $1.76 trillion, up 7.3%, with a BTC dominance of 60.7%. And I want to point out again that Binance is securely in that number three market cap at $45 billion. Now let's get into this conversation with Raghu about institutional investors. Are they really here? And how do we know? And I'll see you after this conversation for headlines. Doing very well. Thanks so much for having me and really enjoyed the conversation last time, Matthew. Same. That's why we're having you back because, you know, there's a lot more that we need to talk about in this space. Look, we crashed through $50,000 Bitcoin a couple of days ago. We're back over it today. We're at like $51,000 Bitcoin as we're speaking right now. The question I really want to ask you is something that you would probably know a lot better than a retail investor like myself. Why mm-hmm. are companies getting into the space? We touched on this a little bit last time, but uh, the three themes that uh, we are seeing a lot of institutions come to us with, the first and foremost is like the inflationary hedge. As the world is printing more money, it is very clear that Bitcoin is emerging to be one of the inflationary hedge. And the 50K price uh, price level has significance there because now we are going to be close to a trillion dollars of an asset class. Uh, it, it achieved certain critical mass. So inflationary hedge is number one. Number two, this is something that's not being talked about, but I've seen the last 10 institutions who came to us, every single one of them mentioned this, the geopolitical risk hedge. With the new administration coming in, um, you know, a lot of people say that you know, the trade war between the US and China is going to uh, aggravate just a little bit more. 
uh, I wouldn't say it's a war, but <laughs> the situation is going to aggravate uh, a little bit more. And Bitcoin, traditionally, whenever there are movements between these two company, uh, countries diverging a little bit, Bitcoin did well from a price perspective. That's number two. The third uh, reason is very simple. The mechanics of 24-7, right? I have access to this every single time, um, you know, irrespective of the country, irrespective of the boundaries and all that. Those are the three reasons that I'm hearing from institutions. I heard this rumor or this theory passing around YouTube and, and talking to people about companies getting into Bitcoin. And they, they use Tesla as an example. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people shorting Tesla. People say that Tesla is way over overvalued. It probably is. I mean, it's worth more than I think the the top five automakers after them all put together. I mean, they're they're damn near a trillion dollar company, uh, and and they're not producing anywhere near the cars of a Toyota or a Honda or a Ford or a Chevy. Um, the thing is, is are they doing this to not only hedge against the value of the dollars that they're holding, but hedge against the people that are shorting their stock, hedge against the um, the possibility that their stock price will go down. And this is what I heard from Tesla is that having this extra cash, if Bitcoin goes up, there is a way to look, show value on their books to be able to hedge against the people who are short selling to create confidence within their valuation to make sure that they have the sustainability or the staying power to open up, say, Gigafactory in Berlin, Gigafactory in uh, in Austin, and produce start producing the cars that match a one trillion dollar market cap. Yeah. Do you agree with that, or do you think that that's just total speculation? Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a fantastic question. So let's start looking at it objectively first, and then uh, get into the subject assessment. Most of the companies that we see uh, trying to get the inflationary edge on their balance sheet, it's usually one to two percent. Uh, and that is remarkably similar across the companies that we've seen. Uh, Tesla is at 8%. So clearly it's an outlier. 8%, not just from a percentage perspective. And then if you look at the notional dollars, you're talking about 1.5 billion, which is one of the largest uh, that we've seen as well. So given that, it, it is a sizable outlier um, you know, from what we've seen from a data perspective. The second thing, because it's a public company, because it's 8% of the balance sheet, they need to market to market uh, almost on a monthly basis. They need to disclose that, right? Uh, all towards the end of the year are like, you know, sporadically every quarter, it depends on them, but they need to disclose. If you're holding 8%, $1.5 billion out of, let's say 700 million is their top line profits. Now 1.5 billion gyrating 10% or 20% will have a meaningful effect, 10 to 15 to 20% effect on their profit uh, reporting. So meaning, I don't see a public company getting into Bitcoin with 8% at $1.5 billion unless they strongly believe that Bitcoin has a massive potential up, uh, upwards. Otherwise, reporting every month a 10% loss or a 10% profit solely from Bitcoin is very, very, there'll be a lot of questions around it. So objectively, they're in it for the long run is what, what, we, uh, what we think. Now, are they thinking about using the uh, returns or the yield from Bitcoin to basically offset some of the shots or uh, some of the performance down? That is very subjective. But uh, that's a massive position. And they are going to be you know, quite accurate and uh, reporting marking the market quite consistently. So they will we'll be seeing a lot more information from them in the coming months. Since we still have a gray area around Bitcoin and um, the regulations between Bitcoin, I mean, look, Elon is tweeting about Dogecoin and Bitcoin and now Mars coin, <laughs> you know, it, there's, it's still a real big gray area. But so I don't know if companies even know how to use Bitcoin, but you said that maybe they'll use some of the yield from Bitcoin to offset some of those shorts. 
is that legal and is that possible? The legality is part of it. I need to uh, double click, but uh, we we know of at least four or five private companies who basically purchased Bitcoin and instead of just setting that Bitcoin aside, they're basically putting that uh, Bitcoin to generate yield in uh, some of the markets. So that happened at least four or five times uh, with uh, folks that we helped with. So uh, that's on the private company side. On the public company side, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about the regulation around it. You know, the, the retail investor is always trying to figure out how or when these big companies are going to buy this Bitcoin, you know? So, and mm -hmm. I think that when we see like whale alerts on crypto Twitter or mm -hmm. um, these alerts from different people who are monitoring the, um, the, the blockchains, they see mm -hmm. these Bitcoins move like from Coinbase Pro, you'll see $500 million worth of Bitcoin and you'll see the report it moved from Coinbase Pro to an undisclosed wallet. Mm -hmm. Is that what we should be looking for as retail investors when we think that major institutions are coming in to make huge purchases? It's a very good question. So uh, the space is getting quite complex, uh, sorry, quite sophisticated in terms of doing TVAPs. So it's not very easy to go to the exchange order book and sniff out if there's a big, you know, buy order that's sitting in there, the iceberg or a buy order sitting in there. Because of the sophistication, it's becoming increasingly difficult, uh, you know, for us to basically spot, you know, what is happening. That's one. Now, the, there is one common method everyone used to basically sort of, uh, you know, spot that. There is one one of the secrets that we use and happy to share that with you. One, the common method is basically looking at on-chain analytics, the exchange inflows, outflows, and like, you know, where is it going and uh, tagging these uh, wallet addresses. That is the known method. But I don't think that is too accurate because even the corporations that buy from us and uh, things like that, we send them in tranches, uh, small batches over a different period of time. So it's very difficult to piece all of that together. But what is a very interesting metric and not many people uh, know about this is the relative flows on Coinbase to a nation exchange. For example, in a, in a market where there is no large buyer buying on Coinbase, Coinbase should move in tandem with uh, some of the exchanges like Binance. The, the flows and the trading pattern should be very similar to the price movements. But if Coinbase is executing a consistent buy side bias, like for a period of two, three days, relative, if you normalize that to Binance or any of the other exchanges, that is a beautiful signal, I mean, uh, you know, to gauge uh, that a corporation is potentially coming in. That is another reason why, like, you know, having a going to a prime broker makes sense. But yeah, that's a that's a signal that we use, Matthew. That's a secret, though. Well, it's not going to be a secret when we put this podcast out, but <laughs> we appreciate it. But let me get then if this is a secret, I want to make sure that I get this clear. Are you trying to say, look at the difference in the spread between the price on, say, Binance and the price on Coinbase to see if there's a big fluctuation before everything evens out in the market? I, I guess I didn't under, quite understand. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I'm happy to share the, this context. I was kidding about the secret part. So essentially, if there are consistent buys of a certain magnitude coming on Coinbase, then there is a distribution of buys versus sells on Coinbase, right? The size of the buys that are happening, and if you look at the trading ticker, if you look at Binance, the buys and sells have a certain profile and ratio as well. Now, in a regular functioning market, that distribution doesn't change between Coinbase and Binance all that much. But if a big corporation is executing a billion dollars of buy, now there's a consistent chunks of buys that are unevenly going to stand out on Coinbase relative to any other exchange out understood. there. Understood. I uh, understood. Smart, smart. So when a, a, a crypto news agency writes a headline, $500 million just moved from Coinbase might be an institution. We could probably say that that is 
not quite accurate? So it's it's difficult to say one way or the other, right? I mean, because a lot of times, uh, you know, exchanges do make these big wallet movements for security best practices to recycle different wallets. Uh, or it could be for audit purposes, it could be a variety of different reasons. It is difficult for us to say that it's just going to a whale or going to an institution. But last few times that I've seen that happen, there is definitely an institutional component in that move. Another thing I'm wondering about this is how do we, what is the, the landscape of the crypto space look like when a, a big player comes in to the space? Is it just number go up? I mean, look, we're at $51,000 Bitcoin today. Is that institutional buys? Is that retail buys? What is driving, fueling the price? Is it just stock to flow? Mm -hmm. I guess what we're trying to know is since we don't know retail investors, and I assume even institutional investors, we're wondering where's the top? Also, we want to know where's the new bottom. We also want to know, is this going to be as volatile as it was in the past? Or are we starting to even things out? How does the landscape look when these new institutions are coming in here with $1.5 billion or MicroStrategies uh, $1.145 billion with another $1 billion waiting mm -hmm. to come in? What is it going to look like in the future? And is it just numbers go up? Is it more uh, stability? And is are we seeing that reflected right now in today's price? Yeah. So I can give you a little bit of a context over the last five days. The last five days, I don't think, uh, you know, at least to what we've seen in the market through our own desk and the analytics that we capture on chain, I don't think there is a major corporation buy, you know, one way or the other uh, in the last five days for sure. So we think the artifact of pushing past 50 is mostly retail is what we're seeing. Because if you look at the, the buy-sell ratios on across different personas on our platform, the hedge funds, the you know, quant shops and all that, uh, we, we think it's retail-driven. It's not corporation coming in and you know pushing it up is what we think it is. Now, in terms of is the 50K price level, uh, is it sustainable? If you look at the number of institutions that are coming in, the quality of institutions, the number of closed room sessions that are happening to educate institutions, there is so much more sustainability this time compared to 2017. It's, it's not even a comparison. The quality of money that's coming in is just incredible. Last six to eight months, we onboarded 100 institutions completely organically. I don't have a sales team. Now, sustainability, I feel that it's, it's much better this time. The last component is uh, the 50K you know, price level is, it, it is a very important price level. Crypto as an asset class is now worth 1.5 trillion. Bitcoin is close to about a trillion dollars. And that has a lot of subjective implications in a hedge fund's mind. When something hits trillion dollars, it's no longer a fringe asset class. Uh, just like the internet, right? Once it got to a certain level of networks and connections, it got the critical mass where you can't just shut it down. Likewise, Bitcoin hitting a trillion dollars has massive subjective implications and also the critical mass is powerful enough. Now, crypto, Bitcoin might morph into other things with governments coming in, but I don't think it'll go away. I agree with you, by the way, that there is this mm -hmm. um, tipping point where it's just, oh, that's it. We're, we're, we're validated. <laughs> but is it one trillion or is it two trillion? Is it three trillion? Is it the price of gold? Why is it one trillion? Is it just mental or are we just using that as an example? Oh, that's a fantastic question. So there is an objective and a subjective part. The subjective part is like a trillion dollar asset class. A lot of people, it, it creates a lot of marketing buzz. A lot of people talk about it, the speak, the, the parlance and the speak associated with it. The objective part is, um, I think uh, we're about uh, 10 to 15% of uh, golds, you know, market cap. And what that means is, you know, Bitcoin used to be, you know, two to five percent. Now it's gradually and consistently going, and it further validates the theory of inflationary hedge, a better inflationary hedge. Understood. Understood. 
Thank you for that, by the way. But my, my last question, and I, I apologize if this comes off the wrong way, uh, but I, yeah. I really want to ask this because I hear a lot of news. Well, it's kind of what I do. So I see yeah. a lot of news and I see a lot of banks starting to think about getting into the crypto game, start to be uh, custodial services, start to offer it as part of their portfolios to some of their you know, uh, customers to say, hey, you want to put a little bit of your portfolio in Bitcoin, or maybe they won't even ask. They'll just start doing that for people mm-hmm. and saying this is a part of your greater portfolio. If banks and traditional banks, JP Morgan, or so on and so forth, are able to do this with Bitcoin, do you need these other brokerage companies uh, to do the job that banks usually do anyway? Because mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, Falcon X is a company that bridges that mm-hmm. gap. That banks aren't even involved. So, you know, companies that want to buy Bitcoin or, or rich people that want to buy a lot of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. they come to mm-hmm. you. If banks could do it now, do they need no, to? No, that's an excellent question. Uh, what we see so far is definitely, by the way, uh, the narrative around banks coming into uh, Bitcoin is absolutely true. The number of banks who reach out to us and uh, try to basically get some form of an equity exposure to us or build partnership, uh, it, it's very real. It happen- It's happening a lot, especially over the last two months. Now, in a world where crypto goes a lot more mainstream than where it is, definitely banks are going to come in. But crypto execution, credit underwriting, clearing in crypto is extremely nuanced. It's a 24-7 market. Credit underwriting in crypto requires on-chain analytics and so much more horsepower there. Execution, banks usually, uh, the established bank, because of SEC regulation and everything, don't have to deal with bad market data, market manipulation all the time. In crypto, just like the internet, because it's decentralized, we have to build for the robustness. So if you look at, if I were a big bank, the nuance of building really good infrastructure in crypto is very, very high. As a result, you know, they, they all go through this buy versus build. And I think in 2021, 2022, you'll see a lot of uh, MNA there. That is one aspect. The second aspect is we ourselves want to facilitate that liquidity to some of the biggest banks that are coming in. It's like, use my APIs in 120 minutes, you can basically be crypto ready. That's number two. The last point that I would make is, the commercial banks also try to go into payments, but Square, PayPal, these these things existed and doing well. I think we'll coexist because of the nuance of the space for a long time with deeper partnerships with select banks is how we think about it. Right on. Ragu, Yalagata, thank you very much for coming on the show again. And this has been very insightful, very helpful, and I hope that it answers a lot of questions for myself, other retail investors, and of course, my listeners. Thank you so much, Matthew. And another news. Ray Dalio reduces his role in Bridgewater Associates, the world's largest hedge fund with $138 billion in assets under management. They're restructuring so that investment decisions are made by more than three men. Those three men, Ray Dalio, the chairman, and co-chief investment officers Bob Prince and Greg Jensen. Bridgewater's flagship investment fund lost 7.6% last year, while Bitcoin quadrupled in price. On the surface, it looks as though Bridgewater Associates are positioning themselves to take a leap into Bitcoin, as Ray Dalio has always been a skeptic. However, the director of investment, Rebecca Patterson, who got some of this power to make decisions, said, in quote, Bitcoin today hasn't proven itself yet to be a good inflation hedge or a good diversifier. It has the potential to become one. Absolutely. But I think today, if you're going to buy it for that reason, you'd be buying an option for that, not the actual thing. It's more theoretical than realized so far. It looks as though even though there's a diversification and a mix-up in the decision-making, they might not be deciding to buy Bitcoin. 
but we'll have to wait and see. What is up with those laser eyes on CT, crypto Twitter? You see everyone having them. Michael Saylor, Plan B, CZ, even U.S. Senator Cynthia Lummis. But why? Well, hashtag laser ray into 100K is making everybody switch their profile pictures to laser eyes. It's a way to say we're powering up, we're focused on the future, and Bitcoin is the future. So, if you were wondering, why does everybody have red laser eyes? Of course you knew it was something like a rocket ship or a moon or a Vegeta Goku meme. But now you know. And if you're for $100,000 Bitcoin, join into the crypto Twitter and change your profile picture to laser eyes. MicroStrategy sells $1 billion more of debt to buy more Bitcoin. That's the news. MicroStrategy is buying more Bitcoin. That's bullish news. Get excited about it. Maybe just the news alone is pushing us up to this $57,000 that we're seeing today. And finally, OKCoin is banning Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. And it will do so from March 1st, 2021. I haven't heard of anybody else doing this besides them, but they're saying that it's misinformation and they are getting it off of their platform. What misinformation, you might ask? Well, Craig Wright, he claims to have created Bitcoin. It's unproven. He's not proving it. He's also claiming the copyright for Bitcoin's white paper. And these claims are unproven. Well, OKCoin is taking a stand and saying, not on my platform. If you want to spread misinformation, you're going to have to do it somewhere else. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I hope you enjoyed this show. Again, I apologize. It wasn't the usual five-minute weekend update, but I wanted to make sure that you heard that interview with Ragu and you understood about institutional investing. Remember, you can reach out to me at MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co and tomorrow I'll be back with a normal five-minute weekend update. Until then, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>